1: Welcome everyone, this is Sasha Moving Mountains. Today, I welcome an advocate and educator with over 20 years of experience in social services and over half a decade in child welfare services. He's not only a social worker, but also an educator who's committed to advocating for educators and students in Palm Beach County. He's seen firsthand the need in Florida for reforms related to funding for causes such as education, elder and child abuse, adoption, women's rights, and more. Today we learn how these priorities in Palm Beach County can benefit from professional expertise, and life insight. Please help me welcome Seth Danson. Welcome to Moving Mountains, Seth.
0: Thank you, Sasha. Pleasure to be here.
1: You're an advocate, you're an educator, and now a political candidate. Your roots trace back to New York. How did your time in New York take you to Utah for your academic career and bring you to present-day Florida?
0: Great question, and thank you for for that question. I appreciate it. So, yes, I did grow up in New York, uh, specifically Long Island, and um, I attended uh, Adelphi University for graduate school. Um, And prior to that, I had actually um, uh, went to the University of Utah to finish my bachelor's degree, uh, which is in family studies and human development, and my master's in social work. And while I was in Utah, um, I had done a lot of work with holocaust education and had found that utah at the time was one of several states in the nation that did not require the teaching of the holocaust to be taught in public schools in age-appropriate ways Uh, so having said that i conducted a study of approximately 1700 school teachers from across the state in each district and eventually uh, had found a uh, local representative to champion my cause, and um, we started a campaign uh, in attempts to get education or Holocaust education taught in Utah public schools, uh, which was successful. Uh, and okay. that, in, in a sense, yeah, thank you. And that, in a sense, really started kind of my, um, if you will, my uh, beginnings of, of politics or really wanting to make changes on macro levels Um after Utah, uh, my whole family had actually uh, moved from New York to Florida, and I was the last one to kind of make the trek south, and I did that, and I've been here ever since.
1: To so hearsay, it's known that you knew as the job young as E that you wanted to become a social worker. Was there a person, an event that you witnessed or experienced that inspired you to pursue this lifestyle?
0: There was. There were several different aspects um, of my of my uh, young life there uh, in New York where I realized I did want to become a social worker. When I was around eight years of age, I had uh, retinal detachment, actually, in both eyes. And, um, you know, being in the hospital for, for a while, um, having to rely on others um, for just basic necessities really taught me a lot about perseverance and determination, um, and, you know, accepting help from others uh, in your times of, of greatest need. I had a um, friend when I was about eight or nine that passed away of a rare form of strep throat, and, you know, that was really one of the first losses uh, of my life that I had dealt with, and I did not really know how to cope with that. I started seeing a social worker uh, named Michelle, actually, on Long Island, and she really opened my eyes to a lot of different uh, you know, ways to cope with, with grief, with loss, things of that nature. And it was, it was really her that um, served as a mentor to me that really inspired me to want to help others um, throughout my life.
1: Social work is a broad term. And for audience members who aren't familiar with social work, what aspect of the human condition does social workers focus on?
0: Great question, and it is a broad term, absolutely. Social work really ideally looks at the holistic individual. So it takes into account, or ideally should take into account, an individual's environment, their makeup, their upbringing, their culture, their um, religious identity, uh, their sexual orientation, or how they identify their gender, um, you know, or non-gender conforming, et cetera, so on and so forth. And it looks at the whole individual um, and, and everything that makes up that that person. Um, and, you know, with social work, we can deal with uh, individuals, we can deal with groups, we can deal with families. And then, of course, we delve into things that are more on a broader scale, such as community social work, working within the community to effectuate change, sometimes on a local level or on a macro level, large-scale level, um, to try to to essentially, you know, better uh, humankind, if you will.
1: You also have experience focusing on child welfare. What aspects of child welfare did you get to witness, work, and provide solutions to?
0: So for several years, I worked for the state of Florida, uh, Florida Department of Children and Families, where I investigated child abuse, abandonment, and neglect. I also worked as a supervisor and a senior investigator. During my time with the state of Florida uh, government or state government, I was able to, um, you know, see firsthand the issues that many of our vulnerable populations face, whether it's children or the elderly. And that could be things such as witnessing or experiencing domestic violence, substance abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, child trafficking, things of that nature. Um, but more importantly, I also was able to see some of the pitfalls, if you will, within the system as a whole, such as a lack of funding for frontline first responder child welfare professionals. In the state of Florida presently, the average starting salary for a child welfare professional is $39,000, which is significantly less than the starting salary of a school teacher, which is $45,000. You know, and that, that you know, is a, is a big deal um, for those that are working on the front lines trying to, um, you know, really save children and make sure that they're not being abused or abandoned or neglected, uh, so on and so forth. Also, having said that, another area that I was able to see was children that were being removed and going to foster homes. And they would shuffle around from foster home to foster home to foster home, and they would sit in foster care waiting and hoping and praying to be adopted. And unfortunately, many children age out of the system and don't get adopted. And that is something that I believe that we do need to shed more light on. Every day you could turn on the television set and find a commercial for adopting a dog or sponsoring a child in an overseas country, both of which are fantastic. But it's very rare to turn on the television set and see an advertisement or a commercial to sponsor a child that needs adoption in your own backyard. And that is something that I feel we need to address um, and really look at and and try to fix uh, within this this system.
1: What happens to those who reach the age of 18? They have not been adopted. Do they end up homeless? Or are they left out high and dry and they have to figure out the next step?
0: Great question. So in the state of Florida, you actually can stay in foster care um, through the age of 21, um, provided that you meet a certain criteria. One is that you are uh, gainfully employed and or, two, going to pursue higher education. Uh, but some, unfortunately, do not opt into that and do age out at, eight, at 18. Um, what I have found is, is, unfortunately, those that do age out, some are less Uh, with very limited resources Uh, once they hit that, that benchmark of 18 or 21 or whatever the case may be and they'll have to send it for themselves some don't have a driver's license some never learned how to drive some never held a job don't know the basics of how to balance a checkbook you know those are and these are real life skills that all children and young adults need to know to be able to really survive in this in this chaotic society if you will and Again, that is, you know, another issue within the system that needs to be addressed and needs to be fixed. Um, So, you know, I I don't want to necessarily say that all are homeless, no, um, but is that a reality? Absolutely. Uh, Unfortunately, it's a a sad reality, and some will be homeless, some will live in poverty, some may turn to substance abuse, um, you know, things of that nature, or some may also enter into, you know, not so good relationships as well, um, because they don't know what it is What a healthy relationship looks like because they've simply been bounced around from home to home to home to home during several years while they were in the state's care.
1: And before we transition from child welfare, child welfare is perceived and set up differently in different states. Does it belong to law enforcement as an agency in Florida or is it just an independent group?
0: So great question. So in the state of Florida, Child welfare, or the Department of Children and Families, which governs all of child welfare, is classified as a criminal justice agency. However, it is not governed by law enforcement. In various counties in the state of Florida, uh, the 60 plus counties, about 11 to 13 of them, their child welfare agencies or entities or divisions are run by local law enforcement under the guidelines of. The Department of Children and Family state government. The other counties are simply run by the Department of Children and Family Services, um, which functions, you know, as, as a, a state government entity. Um, however, in the majority of, of uh, you know, several parts of the state, including Palm Beach County, where I'm located, the Child abuse investigations are jointly conducted with your local law enforcement agency, where two investigations always take place, one, a child abuse investigation, and two, a criminal investigation by local law enforcement to see if any crime has been committed as it relates to abuse, abandonment, or neglect.
1: Your campaign also highlights the defunding of education initiatives. So if education is being defunded, where are those alleged funds being reallocated to?
0: Great question. Um... So I believe those funds are being allocated, you know, towards other parts of the state that also do need attention. Whether that's the environment or environmental causes, you know, water infrastructure, et cetera, all of which are important. My concern, however, is that I feel that there needs to be, um, you know, an equal allocation, um, you know, un- under the under this under the the system. And I say that simply because it's all too often that our classrooms are underfunded. Um, teachers don't have the necessary supplies to fully stock their classrooms for our children, and therefore they are relying on parents, community members, community leaders to essentially you know, fill their classrooms with proper supplies. Many times teachers dip into their own pockets and their own bank accounts to gather the supplies needed you know, to make sure that their students are adequately um, you know, equipped, you know, for whatever the lesson is or material that they're doing, you know, that given day or month or year. And that shouldn't always be the case. We're the greatest nation in the world. We should be able to adequately stock our classrooms with the appropriate supplies for each and every child. Um, You know, and and unfortunately, throughout the state of Florida, you have various counties that are more well-off than others, and you have pockets within each county that are you know, very much so impoverished, if you will, and they're not going to have the family members or the parents that are able to dip into their pockets and provide basic supplies. And so they do rely on the schools and the, and the system as a whole. But unfortunately, those schools are also suffering, especially Title I schools. Um, so again, those are, you know, just some various issues that we do need to fix, we do need to deal with and uh, bring attention to
1: that you're a family man and a parent to three children. Representing Palm Beach County, in your opinion, what are the concerns and opportunities where parents can contribute and grow?
0: Well, I think one big area where parents can contribute, especially as it relates to children, is really talking with children regarding the dangers of social media. Um, And, of course, bullying and uh, violence as a whole, we've seen just in the recent weeks and months and even days, in fact, a rise in social media threats uh, as it relates to gun violence um, or other types of threatening acts, um, you know being threatened towards public schools or towards children, et cetera. And you know unfortunately these are these are now systemic issues that I would venture to say is borderline uh, becoming an epidemic. Um, you know, and it's not just in Palm Beach County or the state of Florida. This is this is nationwide. The United States as a whole has the largest amount of firearm owners in the world. There's nothing wrong with owning a firearm. Which, however, there's, there's responsibility that needs to be taken. And I think that as parents, we have this responsibility to educate our children on how to properly use social media, the dangers of social media, and how to deal with and or encounter, um, uh, you know, various threats that they may encounter, how to deal with that, uh, so on and so forth. If they come across a firearm, if they hear something about a threat towards themselves or others or a school, um, what they need to do. It's not just about, you know, saying something and seeing something. It's about taking that extra step and being prepared to do something.
1: For those who aren't familiar with Palm Beach County, Florida, what are a few towns that comprise Palm Beach County?
0: So perhaps some of the well, more well-known towns of Palm Beach County are um, the island of Palm Beach, uh, Boca Raton, Florida, uh, which is, of course, in Palm Beach County as well, more of the southern part. Uh, you have Delray Beach. You have Royal Palm Beach. You have the village of Wellington, which is considered the equestrian capital of the world. Um, you also have... Um, uh, Lake Worth, and of course you have Boynton Beach, uh, so those are and, and Palm Beach Gardens. So those are your your main uh, main touristy areas and more well known areas of Palm Beach County.
1: In your campaign, you also touch upon homelessness, and there's at least 18 percent of it in the county. And the side effects of COVID are still unfolding. Compared to the onset of the pandemic, how have you seen positive changes in Palm Beach County, and also those where Areas where they could benefit from some assistance?
0: Well, great question, and I'll start with the latter part about how areas where they can benefit from assistance. So Palm Beach County has roughly over 1,500 uh, homeless individuals, 18% of whom are families, uh, which is a staggering number, and it's an unfortunate number. These are families with young children, uh, middle school school children, and high school children, and some are sleeping in cars, some are sleeping in tents. And also, of course, with the pandemic, some don't have access to be able to get the vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine, should they choose, simply because they don't have access to reliable transportation. Um, many times also, even the, the, the mobile uh, vaccine uh, clinics are not able to reach the necessary parts of the county that really they need to um, because they're so, uh, uh, you know, geographically, you know, spread out um, in terms of the, the homeless population. But I do think that the pandemic you know, has, ra- has really raised a lot of, um, uh, you know, concerns and also has opened up many people's eyes, you know, you know for the positive. You know, it took it, unfortunately, unfortunately, it took the pandemic to do this, but it did open people's eyes, I think, to, seeing that, um, you know, now that we have this pandemic and have had it for for a little bit in here, you know, the homeless do need to have more affordable housing, places where they can go. Um, so, you know, they are not, not, you know, spreading, you know, the virus, uh, so on and so forth. But more importantly, they also need to be able to be treated um, just as we would any other individual that was not homeless.
1: Because you bring a lot of substantial grassroots perspective and experience, what guidance do you have for a majority of us civilians listening to your experiences? How can What actions can we take to help improve our local communities?
0: Well, I believe that in terms of that grassroots is really one of the biggest parts and greatest parts of any democracy. You know, grassroots as a whole, um, you know, in, in a sense, everything starts from grassroots. And I believe that everybody can help their communities by, like I said earlier, not just uh, you know, saying something, uh, but also by doing something, by acting. And you know, there's the phrase, talk is cheap, actions you know, speak louder than words. And I, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. And so I think that you know, action is a, is a big thing. Uh, it's a big deal. And, you know, when we stand up for what is right, even in the face of of adversity, in the face of injustice, whatever the case may be, you know, we are better for it. I think when we stand idly by and do nothing, um, then we're just as guilty as those that perpetrate whatever the the negative issue may have been of that that given moment. And so I think that, um, you know, for each of us living in our individual communities, um, you know, when we see something that maybe is awry or... It doesn't sit well with us. We need to do something. Uh, we need to act and we need to act um, appropriately. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we are planning today for a better tomorrow, not just for ourselves or for our children, but more importantly, for future generations to come.
1: In your opinion, you bring the wisdom of being able to work across the aisle when you will be serving. Was there a tipping point when you decided you wanted to get into the political campaign and share your voice and your vision for Palm Beach County?
0: Well, I think the tipping point for me, um, honestly, Sasha, was, was more or less seeing all the various different different issues that were taking place in the state of Florida and across the country. Uh, especially as it relates to the recent presidential election. I've never in my lifetime seen so much disrespect for the office of the presidency on both sides of the aisle. And I started to think that, you know, we are better than this. As human beings, we are better than this. Um, We need to be examples to our children. We can't tell our children to not do something because it's wrong. And then we go out and we do the very thing that we're telling them not to do. That's not okay. And, for me, that, I think, was the tipping point, was seeing those types of, if you will, atrocities, seeing what happened on January 6th at the United States Capitol. That is not the America I know. That is not the country I grew up in. We are better than that. We are better than, than all, than, than than what we are, than what we have been. And, you know, f- for me, um, you know, if, if I can kind of help be a voice of reason, um, then great. You know, I would like to do that. You know, like I said, I I don't want to be one of those individuals that stands idly by and does nothing uh, and only talks and talks and talks. So I want to be able to actually act. And I know that that's going to take, you know, time and resources and, more importantly, you know, working across the aisle with both sides. And that's okay. Um, You know, I'm of the mindset that, you know, we can be united again like we once were. After the horrible terror, terrorist attacks of September 11th, everybody came together. It did not matter what race or religion or socioeconomic status or gender or sexual orientation one was. None of that mattered. Or a political party, everybody came together for a common goal, a common cause, which is to support each other during a horrific time. And unfortunately, many times it takes tragedy to bring us together you know, as a nation. I want to be able to get ahead of that and avoid another tragedy. I want to be able to mend wounds and bring people together without a tragedy taking place in order for that to happen. And that's my goal.
1: When you're not focused on the political campaign, even for five minutes out of the day, you are a husband and a father. How does your wife and your children nurture your perspective day to day?
0: Great question. They're very supportive. Um, you know, many times, you know, my family will kind of play devil's advocate, uh, which is, I think, very important uh, because it is, like I said, easy to kind of get bogged down um, on various different topics and issues, and it is, you know, you need to be able to see both sides and or multiple sides of an equation, if you will. And so they're very good at helping me with that. Uh, they're being very supportive, whether it's with making phone calls, campaigning. Um, things of that nature, and then of course also making time simply, you know, not just for yourself but your, for your family is of course important as well. Um, you know, we try to have uh, a, uh, a family night. You know, set aside one night a week where we can kind of just spend time together as a family uh, and do that, um, regardless of the campaign or anything else. Uh, because that is still important. Um, That's, you know, kind of the the foundation of any happy home, you know, is the family. Uh, You know, it's often been said that the greatest work you ever do is within the walls of your own home. And I believe that, and, um, you know, that's something that that I take seriously.
1: And in the Sasha Talks world, we focus on the human condition. Do you have any rituals or activities that you participate in that keeps us sane day to day?
0: Well, I think for me... um, A lot of it is faith. Um, Faith and prayer um, go a long way. And, you know, I think, um, you know, you never, you never stand as tall um, as you do when you're, when you're on your knees engaged, engaged in humble prayer. And, um, you know, I think when you can lean on your faith and when you can uh, have the support of friends and family, um, you know, that is something that is, is extremely powerful and goes a long way and uh, is something that I think resonates with a lot of people as well, um, not just in times of need, but simply just in times of Thanksgiving. You know, uh, I, I think that, um, you know, overall it is those types of, of things, faith, prayer, uh, family support that really have helped me um, many times, both, you know, when I, when I struggle with things, uh, just like we all do as, as humans. Um, and just in my everyday life as a whole. And uh, those are things that I'm I'm definitely grateful for.
1: And as we start to wrap things up, you're welcome to let people know of your campaign and how people can support you.
0: Absolutely, and thank you for that. So our campaign can be found on www.votedenson.com or on Facebook by following um, Denson for District 86. We are always looking for donations. Every little bit uh, helps, whether it's a dollar or ten dollars or a hundred dollars. Every little bit helps uh, during this grassroots campaign. Um, all funds are, are you know, uh, put to good use, whether it's for um, fundraisers or whether it is for, uh, you know, signage um, or things of that nature. Uh, during the month of uh, during the holiday season, I should say, we're also going to any donation that we receive, We receive fifty percent of our donations by the end of the year uh, would be given towards a local charity such as a foster home as well. Um, so, again, you know, we definitely appreciate that. We're always looking for volunteers, and, um, you know, I hope that uh, that we can we can make this work and, and looking forward to really uh, meeting more members of the community.
1: Well, Seth, I want to thank you for educating us on your endeavors and Palm Beach County, and we wish you luck and wealth.
0: Thank you so much, Sasha. I greatly appreciate your time.